This episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast is sponsored in part by Law Enforcement Labor Services in Minnesota. Law Enforcement Labor Services, also known as LELS, is Minnesota's largest public safety labor union with over 7,000 Minnesota public safety members serving in all areas of public safety. Law enforcement, 911 dispatch centers, corrections, public safety administrative support personnel, and firefighters. Established in 1977, LELS serves over 260 different public safety agencies and over 450 locals across the state of Minnesota. With their administration, general counsel, three staff attorneys, and 14 business agents, LELS provides contract negotiations for better wages and benefits, grievance processing and representation, discipline representation, mediation and arbitration, assistance with representation for post-board hearings, and in-line-of-duty death benefits for survivor families. Find out more about Law Enforcement Labor Services at LELS.org. LELS.org. Episodes of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast may contain strong language and violent content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Sheriff Scott Rose from Minnesota, and I'm your host for today's new episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. In each episode of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast, we'll share the details and the stories of how these men and women heroically lost their lives in the line of duty. Our mission is to help ensure their service and sacrifice is never forgotten. Thanks for spending some time with me today to remember and honor these fallen heroes. John F. Kennedy was the newly elected 35th president of the United States. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. A bottle of Coca-Cola was 10 cents and promoted as a diet drink and a pick-me-upper. Mmm, another thing, the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Coke's a natural, wholesome blending of pure food flavors. I guess that's why everyone likes the refreshing new feeling you get, only from not-too-sweet Coca-Cola. And Floyd Patterson would be fighting Ingemar Johansson for a third time to decide who would be the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Ring announcement from Jack McCarthy. Ladies and gentlemen... The year was 1961. The winner and still champion, Floyd Patterson! William H. Freitag. His friends, well, they called him Bill. He took a position as the technical engineer in the tool engineering department at International Business Machines Corporation, or better known as IBM. IBM Rochester had opened in 1956 with 174 employees working in a 50,000 square foot facility. IBM had just completed a record year in 1960 with 1.81 billion in revenue. They would see a 22% increase in 1961 and add over 2,300 people to their workforce. In 1961, along with all their computer advancements, this year was big for IBM who unveiled the Selectric typewriter into the commercial marketplace. 
This is the best thing that's happened to typing since electricity. The IBM Selectric Typewriter. This typewriter helped IBM dominate the market for over two decades. The IBM facility was a series of blue buildings on the northwest side of Rochester. It was referred to as Big Blue. Well, back then, Big Blue was a big deal in Rochester. Bill loved his kids dearly. He was also an avid hunter and a gun sportsman. He had received around a half dozen shooting trophies for competition shooting while he was with the Rochester Police Department. They say he also helped design the first target area practice range for the police department. Back in 1961, the Rochester Police Department had 66 sworn officers serving the Southeast Minnesota community, which is home to the Mayo Clinic. Included on the roster were also a number of civilian volunteers. Now, today, most police departments refer to them as reserve officers. With sheriff's offices, they call their volunteer program the Sheriff's Posse in Minnesota. Back then, the Civil Defense Reserve Police numbers at the Rochester Police Department included about 175 members, some 40 of whom were on the active list. These officers served part-time assisting uniformed, licensed police officers with traffic control, event security, and other city functions. Their uniform was what was considered the usual Civil Defense Reserve Policeman uniform. It consisted of a white build cap, a white belt, white gloves, navy blue trousers, and a, a gray shirt. They are truly extraordinary men and women. They love their communities and they want to do their part to help make it a, a little safer for us to raise our families in. In doing so, they take the same risks as licensed police officers do when assisting in events like this. While 99% of the public runs away from danger, our police officers are dedicated to our safety and they're paid to answer the call to run towards danger to keep us safe. The men and women serving as reserve officers take this level of dedication one step further. They risk their lives and they risk their safety at no cost to the taxpayers. Their compensation is simply the satisfaction of knowing they're helping in a community that they care about. Most of them have other full-time jobs or professional careers, like Bill. Bill was scheduled to work March 13th, security and traffic control at the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester during the Patterson-Johannesson Heavyweight Boxing Championship fight. He signed in on the civil defense duty roster for a shift at 8.30 p.m. that night at Rochester Police Department and headed for the auditorium. Back in those days, the World Heavyweight Boxing Crown was a really big deal in the U.S. These were huge events that were highly publicized and marketed. America's Floyd Patterson and Sweden's Ingemar Johannesson had fought twice previously. Johannesson knocked out Patterson in 1959 for the title. And then Patterson knocked out Johannesson in a rematch in 1960. Their third fight was March 13th at the Miami Beach Convention Center in Florida. The fight was broadcast live on ABC Radio and was shown on closed-circuit TV at 207 locations across the country, including on a big screen at the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester, Minnesota. Boxing fans from all over the region traveled to Rochester to watch the fight on the big screen and cheer on their favorite American boxer, Floyd Patterson. Being there and watching and experiencing the fight on the big screen was the next best thing to being in Florida and watching it live especially back in 1961. In this corner, 
weighing 206 and a half pounds, the challenger and former heavyweight champion of the world, Ingemar Johansson. In this corner, weighing 194 and three-quarter pounds, from Rockville Center, New York, the heavyweight champion of the world, Floyd Patterson. Outside, it had been breezy throughout the day with the dusting of snow around lunchtime. But now the winds were calm and temperatures were in the 20s. Pretty typical, the weather that day for March in Minnesota. At around 10 p.m., the 15-round championship match ended just over two minutes into round six, with Floyd knocking out Johansson. The American Floyd Patterson was again the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. All was good. Now, it was time to get everyone out of the Civic Center and home safe. The Mayo Civic Center was gifted to Rochester by Dr. Charles Mayo back in 1938. For years, it was the premier event center for people to go to in southeast Minnesota. It's located at the T intersection where 2nd Street Southeast ends at Civic Center Drive Southeast and 3rd Avenue Southeast in Rochester. Rochester Police Sergeant Mork was in charge at the event that night. and He had Officer Muhorder and Officer Klomstead also working in the auditorium. At around 10.12 p.m. when the fight was over, Officer Klomstead went to the South Drive to direct traffic. Officer Muhorder went to the front of the auditorium to help with traffic. And the two reserve officers, Bill Freitag and Bill Davidson, were to take care of traffic on Center and Auditorium Drive. Sergeant Mork left the auditorium and he walked west towards 2nd Avenue and was going to walk on 2nd Avenue towards East Center Street to see if he could help with the traffic over there at that intersection. When he got to 2nd Avenue, he heard a squad car approaching with sirens on. It was Officer Waldron, and he was en route to an injury accident that had been reported at 217 East Center Street. So Sergeant Moore hopped in, and they found a sedan sitting on the street and could see a body laying about 12 feet in front of the car. Reserve Officer Bill Davidson was walking north from the auditorium towards East Center Street. When he got to the south side of East Center Street, he looked west on East Center and he could see a person lying near the middle of the road about 125 feet where he was standing. He could see another driver had stopped and was stopping traffic. Davidson flagged down and stopped a taxi cab. Back then they were blue and white. He asked them to radio for an ambulance and then he ran towards the fallen person. When he got to the injured person, he recognized right away it was his partner, Reserve Officer Bill Freitag. Bill was face down on the brick roadway. He was bleeding from his nose and his mouth. He was unconscious and he was breathing heavy. His lower left leg appeared broken. Davidson checked Bill's mouth for any obstructions and loosened his collar and tie. Officer Waldron and Sergeant Mork were also now on scene to assist. 
and an unidentified passerby provided two blankets and assisted Davidson who positioned one blanket under Bill and one over him. The two of them also applied an improvised splint to Bill's lower left leg. Davidson checked Freitag's pulse. It was weak and rapid. He checked his watch. It was 10.18 p.m. When the ambulance arrived, they loaded Bill face down on the cot and transported him to St. Mary's Hospital emergency room. They wheeled him into St. Mary's at around 10.40 p.m. Dr. Britt was attending to Bill and asked Davidson to get Mrs. Freitag to the hospital. Bill Freitag's wife arrived at the hospital around 11.30. At her request, Davidson attempted to reach their pastor by phone. It was Reverend O.E. Carter from Assembly of God Church. Davidson called Reverend Carter's number several times but was never able to reach him. Daniel Joseph Cullen was 19 years old. He lived on East Center Street in Rochester, and he'd been listening to the fights on the radio, and after it was done, he decided to drive downtown to get something to eat. He drove a green 1954 Plymouth four-door sedan. Cullen was westbound on East Center Street when he neared the intersection where Bill Freitag had just started directing traffic. Cullen told police he didn't see Bill Freitag until he was right in front of them even though Bill was wearing white gloves and a white hat in a lighted intersection. The accident report showed Cullen traveled about 20 feet before he hit the brakes, skidding another 65 feet before he came to a stop. Cullen claimed he was driving at about 20 miles per hour. Others thought he was doing 40 to 45. Officer Freitag was struck on the left side by Cullen's vehicle. He was carrying a wooden nightstick on the left side and the impact of the crash broke the nightstick in half, both pieces found in different areas near the scene. The impact threw Bill up onto the hood and windshield of Cullen's vehicle. Then he slid back off the front of the vehicle when Cullen hit the brakes and was thrown another 12 feet. Back at St. Mary's Hospital, the doctors and nurses in the ER did everything they could do to save him, but his injuries were too severe. At 12.05 a.m., March 14, 1961, Reserve Police Officer William Freitag died in the ER. Bill was just 40 years old and was survived by his wife and five kids, three daughters, ages 18, 16, and 9, and two sons, ages 6 and 3. A local towing company, Pulver's Towing, came and towed Cullen's vehicle to assist with the investigation. Their receipt of their review of the vehicle indicated that it was all in working order. The only issues indicated were poor condition of the two front tires and then the front end was out of alignment. According to Rochester Police Chief James Mackin Jr., the accident was caused by driver error, citing that Cullen's attention was diverted from the roadway for a reason that never was accurately determined. The chief said Cullen was a person of good reputation and had not been drinking, so due to there being no evidence of gross, culpable, or felonious negligence, Cullen was charged with careless driving, noting his failure to keep proper lookout. He pled guilty to the misdemeanor and was fined $50. Directing traffic is one of the leading causes of police officer deaths, and most drivers don't seem to appreciate the dangers that officers face when they're standing on the side of the road. Unfortunately, 
When you look at these reports, you see that nearly all of these incidents are preventable. According to the FBI, about a dozen police officers die nationally each year while directing traffic. William Freitag was the first recorded line-of-duty death for the city of Rochester, first in Olmsted County, and the 12th officer down in southeast Minnesota as of 1961. This loss of their father and husband made a huge impact on this family, and they've struggled with it ever since. Bill's picture is displayed in the annex of the government center in Rochester. The American Police Hall of Fame and Museum was founded in 1960, and it's the nation's first national law enforcement museum and memorial dedicated to officers killed in the line of duty. The memorial lists over 9,000 officers who were killed in the line of duty. Freitag's name is etched on this wall, one of the first officers recognized by this new organization at the time. They also issued his family a posthumous Medal of Merit for Valor. Names are added to this wall in Port Charlotte, Florida, once a year prior to Law Enforcement Memorial Day. William Freitag is also listed on the Officer Down Memorial page. His name is etched in the wall at the National Law Enforcement Memorial in Washington, D.C. And he's recognized each year at both the Minnesota Law Enforcement Memorial Association annual program at the state capitol, as well as the memorial program in Southeast Minnesota, hosted by the Law Enforcement Memorial Foundation of Southeast Minnesota. The foundation is currently raising funds to build and maintain a new law enforcement memorial in Rochester to honor these fallen officers, to ensure that their service and their sacrifice is never forgotten. Officers like Reserve Officer William Freitag. If you're interested in supporting this family, supporting the foundation, and supporting this memorial, please check out the foundation website, www.lawenforcementmemorial.org, to find out how you can help. Please share this podcast with family and friends. Let's make sure William Freitag's service and sacrifice is never forgotten. Thank you for spending the time to listen, learn about, and honor the memory of this fallen hero. Make sure you take the time to thank your local law enforcement for their service and their sacrifice. And don't forget to thank their families too. They also sacrifice so much for our safety. It's up to us to help ensure the sacrifices made by these fallen heroes and by their families are never forgotten. So please share this podcast with family and friends. Until next time, this is the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. I'm Scott Rose. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.